Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning, everyone. A uh, pleasant reminder being back here in the refrigerator to uh, bring your sweaters when you come for Sunday worship here at Harvest. If you want to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, I don't know if this is like a pre-sermon thing. You know, you have the pre-game for baseball, basketball, that kind of stuff. And uh, last week, um, I used a term that I I wish to change uh, this week because... um, as I was in a situation this week, I, re- I, I was reminded how the words that we use are very important, even though the meaning that we have for the word uh, has no malicious uh, intent whatsoever. It can definitely be misunderstood. So last week, what we did is we looked at Galatians chapter six and we talked about the weak brother or sister. And uh, it wasn't until uh, maybe yesterday, which tells you how fast I can think about things. That uh, six days after the message, I said, oh, that, that probably wasn't a good word to use. Because if you remember last week, I was always trying to qualify weak. And uh, so I want you to put that out of your mind and pretend it didn't happen. Take a little white out. And if you can insert the word overburdened uh, into there. So last week, uh, if you remember correctly, we talked about the overburdened person. And in looking at Galatians chapter 6, even though the passage really isn't directing the overburdened person, it talks about the reality of overburdened people who actually exist in our church. And these overburdened people are on the verge of giving up or may have already given up. And whatever way they have given up, they have just simply given up and they're overburdened. And Paul's command to them, as we'll see, ultimately focusing on those who are the stronger or mature brother and sisters, I think what Paul is saying to the overburdened person is, listen, admit it. Admit that you are overburdened, that you are struggling, that you are ready to give up, that you may be caught in something that you feel that you cannot get out of. It uh, it could be depression. Um, It could be a very heinous type of addictive sin that you're stuck in and that you're afraid to tell people. But please admit it, surrender, and get help. And the reason you're supposed to get help is because you are in a family, you're, you're in the body of Christ. And for that reason, God has placed in the church people who are mature, spiritual, and strong who will help you carry that burden. And this isn't the only passage where Paul talks about the strong and the mature and implies the weak. Because as we mentioned last week in Romans 15 and in 1 Thessalonians, that Paul is saying, for those of you who are strong... Pay attention to the weak and help them. And we brought that into the passage because as I was trying to understand the father heart of God and the mind of Christ, the idea was that even though Paul is addressing a specific group of people, the strong, the mature, there is ultimately the implication that there are some very overburdened people that exist in your church and as a family you gather around them and that's what we're going to look at today so before we hop into that if we can just take a moment and we can pray and uh, then we're just going to look at what paul is actually telling those who are spiritual strong or mature our father in heaven you have a heart for people 
you care for people deeply, uh, more than we can even imagine. And through your spirit, speaking to Paul, as he addresses the strong, you know and understand that the overburdened walk among us. More often, unfortunately, than not, they are silent. Slowly but surely, giving up, possibly even dying. Inside, emotionally, and spiritually. Father, we rejoice too that though there are the overburdened in our midst, there are the strong, the mature, the spiritual that you have placed in this body to minister to those, to carry their burdens. That they may no longer be overburdened, but instead restored. Amen. Now, how many of you have heard of the term compassionate conservative? And depending on where you lean on the political uh, spectrum, you might say that's kind of an oxymoron, right? Compassionate, conservative, those, this is like oil and water. It doesn't mix. I think it does uh, because I call myself a compassionate conservative. You might think, well, you don't mix anyway, but that's another story. <laughs> How many of you uh, are not an alpha male or female? You don't have to raise your hands. It's just, just in your mind. Because you know the, the alpha type person, especially to me, the uh, aggressive alpha male or female is someone who just charges into something and uh, takes over and just starts, you do this, you do that, you do this. And they're very aggressive. If you don't move, uh, you're, you're afraid not to move. And you're just moving because if you don't move, you know they're going to make you move. And they're just all over you. And like a tiger mom. Does that make you feel a little more? Maybe like someone who's just all over you. And I really think, and I could be wrong when we get to heaven, Paul's going to say, man, you just did not read my letters correctly. But I think Paul was an aggressive alpha male. I think the reason, obvious, to me at least, I think it's obvious, is one of the reasons why God picked him. Now, mind you, God is sovereign, and he can take the most passive of people and turn them into a powerhouse. But I don't think he just starts all the way from back here. But sometimes God starts here and says, okay, Paul, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to do a lot of things. You're going to be that aggressive alpha male that I'm going to use to reach this known world and ultimately then beyond. And if that's the picture that we have of Paul, I think that we are missing out who he fully is, because even as you read the letters of Paul, he talks about being like a father, being like a mother, having the heart and the compassion. So I think not necessarily saying Paul would be a Republican or a Democrat. I think he would be a compassionate conservative, someone who is very sure of what God says is truth. And he spoke that truth and wasn't afraid to speak that truth. So when the apostle Peter sort of went off the reservation, Paul came up to him and said, brother, you're off the reservation. You are here. You need to get back here. That's an aggressive alpha male. But I don't think he went up to him, pointed a finger in his face and started going, you Pharisee. Probably approached him in a manner that said, listen, you are leading people astray. Let's restore you. I really think that he has a heart. And I don't see in this passage that we're going to look at him rebuking the overburdened, but instead rebuking those who are actually strong or mature and saying you have 
in your midst, overburdened people, and in Christ, I am commanding you, the language that he's going to be using, to carry their burdens. Today, I want to address those people who are strong and get us to see that if you are strong, there is a reason why you are that way. It is because God is calling you to do something in this body. Because there are a lot of people who right now are overburdened. And even though they are in silence, they're there. And we need to look for them and walk with them and bring them to a place of restoration. Let's read the verses. Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, depending on your version, but all inclusive, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, strong, Sure, should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry own load. Who's Paul speaking to? Let me just give you the big picture. Paul's speaking to the strong, mature, spiritual people in the church. And what he's telling them is looking at the overburdened people in your church, your ministry is to restore them in a spirit of humility, carrying their burdens as you do so. Let's look at this. The first verse, first one, the ministry of the strong is to restore the caught. Paul here says, if someone is caught in sin, and like we mentioned last week, they are trapped. They cannot get out. It is something that they cannot fight. It's a a really trivial example. And I'm not trying to make the message of Paul trivial. It is like me and chocolate. Okay? We do not exist in the same room. And there is a reason why chocolate does not exist in the same room as I do. It is because I eat it. Okay? No existence. If you were chocolate, you would be an endangered species if I am around. Do you know what I'm saying? That's minimal, okay? But now, what we need to understand is, as you grasp a little bit of that, that's just so trivial compared to some of the sin like we talked about that people are actually caught in. All forms of stuff may most likely be in existence in our church. And we talked about stuff like affairs. We talked about depression. It could be pornography. It could be attraction towards um, scandalous attraction that shouldn't exist in the church, but does in some churches, hopefully not here. All kinds of sin that exists. And this person is caught. And what Paul here is saying is, listen, if someone is caught, meaning there are people who are caught, They are caught. What you need to do is to restore them and to restore them gently. The idea here that he's trying to get across is the idea of restoring. I I thought of this this morning. Does anyone remember in the NCAA tournament? I think it was a Kentucky basketball player, wasn't it? That broke his leg. I don't remember when he broke. And then you could see the leg and all that kind of. I never looked at the video because I would have passed out. Totally admit that. But but the idea is, you know, they they don't come up to him and say, dude, what's wrong with you? It's only a broken leg. Get back up and finish the game. What did they do? Like Kind of like when they carried out LeBron James. No, sorry. We don't want to go there, do we? 
Okay, we really do, but we really shouldn't because I don't think this is the place for that. But the, the idea is, here is a person who has a broken leg. Let us restore him. And did he not play last year? I think he played last year. Probably not the same, but at least the idea of him getting back out there. The goal of the doctor is not to yell at him and say, why were you where you were at when you broke your leg? You got what you deserved. You should have been outside instead of inside. What's wrong with you? That's not the goal of the doctor. The goal of the doctor is to come alongside of him give a diagnosis, and then how can we get to a place, and obviously diagnosis would be easy in this sense, how do we get to a place where we can get you back on the court to full strength, if not better? Of course, that would have been nice if that doctor would talk to Derek Rose, but that's another story. Sorry. He's overburdened, and I should restore him gently, right? That's the picture that Paul's setting. There's a broken bone here. Do not demand that this person runs a marathon. It's foolishness. That's craziness. You don't have someone do that. You get alongside them. You bind up the wound. You get it to a place where they can get back to the place where they need to be. Paul is saying, listen, you who are strong, when you go to your community, to your church, to your family, and you sit there, you must realize there are overburdened people in your midst. And you are not to sit there and hope that they get better. Because one of the things about what I would call fake spirituality is that a lot of people, when they are overburdened, they feel guilty that they are overburdened. Why can't I just be me and God? Why, God, why can't you do something That so strengthens me and fills me so that I won't be a burden to anyone else and I can get out of this. And I think God's answer is it's not going to be just me, but it's going to be your family that walks with you. And the reason you may very well still be stuck is because you're hoping for this miracle, which is not happening. And then you're feeling guilty because it's not happening because you don't want to burden anybody. And then you feel bad because you're overwhelmed. And then you feel bad because you're overwhelmed and don't want to burden anybody. And it becomes a cycle. Do you see where I'm going? And it gets worse. And it gets worse. And what Paul is saying is you who are strong, restore these people. But he says, restore them in a spirit of humility. He says, do it gently. Do it gently. Come alongside of them and do it gently. It's an idea of being humble when you do so. He says, why? Watch yourself or you may also be tempted. I think what Paul's addressing here is, you know what? You're not always going to be strong. You may. There are some people who are perhaps can go through their whole Christian life and follow Jesus and be strong, who can have those senses and those touches and those feelings of God and say, I really feel God every day. I read my Bible and I weep and I cry. I don't know who those people are. I've heard Henry Blackaby is like that, but they're out there. They have to be. But there's not many of them. Most of us can be overwhelmed even by doubt. Why is it that I try so hard to do what God wants me to do and I can never really hear him? Why do I always have to hear how somebody else has had this great spiritual experience, some touch of God that frees them, and yet I continue to struggle on? What Paul here is saying is, listen, you are strong and mature now, and someday you may very well be overburdened. I cannot tell you five years from now, I will be in the same place saying the same thing. Five years from now, my whole life could be devastated, 
changed, wiped out. I can be in a place of weakness or overwhelmedness. Sorry. So that I need someone to come alongside of me to carry me. So Paul's saying, listen, don't be a bunch of Pharisees. As you go on here in verse 3, he says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Stop being proud. Don't look and say, wow, so-and-so over there is overburdened. Man, I am glad I am not like that. Who does that sound like? That Pharisee in Luke 19, right? Man, I see that sinner over there, that overwhelmed, that overburdened person. And they're horrible. God, look at them. That's disgusting. Shame on them. Look at me, God. I am strong. I am mature. I am everything. God says, no, no, you're not. You're not. You are deceived. You're proud. You're a Pharisee. And I think there are a lot of people, even when somebody makes a mistake, what do we do? I told you not to do that. Okay, I'll confess as a parent. I sometimes enjoy saying that when my kids do something I told them not to. Right? Don't you? You get that little feeling? You know, they don't do that. They're going to bump your head. They bump their head. Okay? My initial reaction, not always out loud, but inside is, ha, now maybe you listen. <laughs> and then, of course, oh, are you okay? You know what I mean? But I am proud. And, and my fear is that many people in our church, when they are strong, are proud. I am not like that. Or, wow, you really are weak, using the wrong term at the right moment. You really are weak. Be like me, man. I'm strong. And I've shared with you that one time, you know, when my wife was pregnant and you have to drink that orange goo, and uh, and obviously it's like, what, 32 ounces or something like that, and you have to drink it in an hour, and you have to really go to the bathroom bad. And how I looked to my wife, and she said, I have to really go to the bathroom. I said, no, you can't go. Hang in there. Be tough. Okay, that's kind of what Paul is talking about. What is wrong? I have never drank that amount of liquid in an hour. How am I supposed to know if you can hold it or not? But I would say I can do it. If, she, if, my, if it was me and my wife said to me, you chicken, you manly, manlessness kind of thing, I would hold it just to prove her wrong. Okay? But here's the thing. That's because in that area, I can be strong. Does that make her bad? Does that make her weak? No, it's a different person. And my fear is that in the church, when the strong see the overwhelmed or overburdened, they consider them weak and not worth their time. Because what is Paul saying? Is that you're full of pride. You who are strong think you're the cat's pajamas, whatever that means. But you all understand the uh, analogy behind that. You know, you think you're wonderful. You think you're fantastic. You are deceived. You are to restore the overburdened and do it gently in a spirit of humility because you never, ever know what's going to happen to you. That's not the motivation, obviously. That deals with the pride aspect because what does Paul says? When you do it, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Your motivation to restore the overburdened is because you love. Not look down upon, but love. Hey, when I see that you're struggling, that bothers me. And I want to get alongside of you because I love you and I want to see what is best for you in God. What is best for you in Christ? What is best for you in the spirit, in the body? And and that's the desire of the person who is strong. So Paul is addressing these people, and they have to be there, 
They're a strong group of people, but they're going around and they're filled with pride and a lack of love, which are really the barriers as to why a lot of people who are overburdened never come forward. Because you come forward and say, hey, you know what? I I have a problem. I'm addicted to this. And people go, ooh, that's disgusting. How could you be like that? I don't know how they can be like that other than to say that sin reigns. But our, our, our response is not like, ooh, but our response is, that ain't right. And I'm not really into this, but I'm going to walk with you. Because I know someday when I am down and out, I'm going to need someone there. I, I always joke about my kids. You know, when you're a parent, you change diapers, change a lot of diapers. I, said, I kept count, man. <clears throat> when I turned 85 or whatever, and I need my diaper changed, Christina owes me like about 250 Tim owes me 300. Dan owes me a little bit more, you know, that kind of thing. I wonder, I may be there. And now we joke, but I think we're like a little nervous going, yeah, I might be there. But that's, that's the idea that Paul's trying to say. You are strong today by the grace of God. Remember that. Don't get puffed up about how great and mature and spiritual you are, but even deeper love. The father heart of God grasp onto my heart. And when you see these people who are weak, these sheep who are struggling, may the love that I have placed in you overflow and the strength that I have placed in you overflow and carry the burdens of the overburdened. Because right now they cannot carry them. And I have strengthened you for this purpose that you may come alongside of them and carry them. That's what Paul's saying. He's speaking. And and the the cool thing is that I like this. When he gets to verse two, he says, carry each other's burdens. It kind of sounds like if I came up to Randy and I said, hey, you know, can you do me a favor? Um, I don't want to hold this anymore. But can you hold on to me for me? That's it. That's it. We kind of think, I'm suggesting that you hold on to my phone. Really, what Paul's saying is, listen, you who are strong, restore them gently and get off your fat rear end and move and carry these burdens for these people. Because the more strength you get, the weaker, in a sense, you become. What he's really saying is, come on, I am commanding you in the Lord to carry each other's burdens so that you might actually love one another like God has called you to do. So if you see someone who is overwhelmed or overburdened, whether it is by doubt or specific sin or whatever it is, please, I am commanding you. To carry their burdens on a continual basis. The terminology that he's using here says this, carry each other's burdens in the sense that it is a process. It's not like you come up and say, well, you have a burden today. Okay, well, I'll help carry the burden today. But you know what? Tomorrow I got other things to do, so I'm going to be off on my own. Or I'll give you a week because that's about the amount of time that I can spare. But after that, that's it. What Paul's saying is carry each other's burdens. It is a command and do it as a lifestyle, as a habit. When you see someone who is overwhelmed, come alongside of them and carry their burdens because this is who God has made you to be and what he's asking you to do because you are mature, you are strong, and you are spiritual. It's a process. It's a process for people to get out of that. It's, kind of, it's like the hospital. How many hospital workers do we have here? How many, how many aspects of a hospital do you have? Right? ER, triage, ER, 
Um, regular. I see you too. Oh, sorry. I see you. Okay, that's right. Sorry. I, I got curious. Yes. A whole bunch of places, right? Here's the thing that scares me the most. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just I got, I got off track there. I just couldn't resist that one. That's why corn sometimes doesn't help you. This is what I think, and I could be wrong. Sometimes I think the church sees ministry as emergency room ministry. You are down and out. You are struggling right now. We will come alongside of you in the emergency room. We will patch you up. We will get you looking nice. We will pat you on the back and send you on your way. You have survived the emergency room. Excellent. Now on to something else. Now, Paul isn't talking about the hospital here, but I think the analogy fits in the sense that you have some people who will need emergency care, but you have some people who will need hospice care and for a long time. Uh, yesterday, we, uh, I don't know how you say this word, but we, uh, as a family, my family, celebrated the, uh, the internment of my mom who passed away in January. And the one thing that I know uh, and respect about my mom is that during my dad's long two-and-a-half-year convalescence, she never left his side. Never. You know, she didn't say, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so, and she was, and it changed her. She, she became a different person afterwards. But she never, ever stopped carrying the burden of her husband for two and a half years as she watched him decline and become absolutely helpless. And that example, I think, inspired my siblings that as she did the same, we stayed beside her. That is a church. Not that my family is a great family, but it's because we saw an example of what it means to carry a burden. And not just carry it for a weekend or a week, but for years. There are some people in our church who may be so overburdened, so caught, so trapped that they don't need someone to give them an emergency room treatment. They need someone to be with them in hospice care for a very long time. And if you're in that spot, it does not make you a bad person. Do not fake spiritualize the sense that you and God alone must get through this, but come to the people that God has placed in this body and say, here I am. I cannot carry this burden. Can you please help me carry this burden? Talking to somebody uh, this week, and, and I told him, if, if, if you do that and people reject you, then I would endorse you going to another church. Because this is not a family then. And if that's what's happening, then this isn't the place for you. Because church is supposed to be family. It is a continual process where we are supposed to carry one another's burdens consistently as a lifestyle. If you are weak, your goal is to get restored, that you might be strong to carry somebody else's burdens. And I'm not burdening you with that. What I'm saying is in your weakness, if you just have to surrender and give up and say, I can't do it, that is absolutely okay. But get help. And if you're the person that they come to, don't expect a quick fix all the time, but be ready as a lifestyle to walk with that person. Let me finish with this. Three things that I think... We need to do in order to carry another person's burdens. Because I can tell you what to do, but how do you do it? First thing is to simply come alongside people. And I'm going to say people. Care, listen, and pray. You cannot carry a burden from a distance unless you're Darth Vader. Right? You can't sit there and go, that would be nice. 
Reality teaches us that if you're going to carry someone's burden, you need to come alongside of them. I wonder if the picture is, and I don't know if Paul is saying this, but the picture would be of actually someone who is a wounded soldier and how you come alongside of them and you put them either on your back or underneath your shoulder and you walk together all the way until you can get to safety and this person can actually be taken care of. That is the idea that he's trying to communicate. Carry one another's burdens. And the way you do that is to come alongside of someone. And the scary thing sometimes about strong people is what? I now have to fix the situation. Oh, you have a problem with this? Well, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and you will be on your way. Seven-step style to freedom in Christ if you just do this. And you know what? The person is already overburdened, and you just gave them seven more steps that they have to follow through, and it just doesn't work. And I think what Paul's call is, even though one day he will speak truth to them, is to get beside them and say, I care, and I love you, and I will listen And I will pray and I will minister and I will do whatever is necessary in order to restore you because God's goal is whole people. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be whole all of your life and you may die not as whole, whatever it is. But the idea is God wants to restore people to himself, to each other in the midst of the body of Christ. And so to carry their burdens means to come alongside of them and listen, you don't always have to have the answers. But you do always have to care. And part of that caring is just listening and saying, you know what, I don't know. I I, I find, I don't know if I'm getting dumber as I get older, but people ask questions and my only answer is, I don't know. I don't know if that disappoints. I don't know if you've been on the other side of that conversation. Well, I came to you to get advice and you say, I don't know. That's not very helpful. And it's not. But I will say this much. If I don't know, let's walk together through this to get you to the place where God wants you to be. I'll look for those answers because there isn't always easy answers to every bit of life's problems. That'd be great then, wouldn't it? Oh, you have a problem with this? Do these things. Everything will be solved. It's not. Everybody is different. What works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else. You can stand before me and yell at me. I will be motivated. But it's not going to work for someone else. It may actually break them. The first thing we do to carry burdens then is to come alongside a person, care for them, listen, and pray. The second thing that we're supposed to do is to stay in it for the long haul. Now, how many of you guys have been paying attention to the news about the uh, Veterans Administration scandal kind of thing? So 57,000 veterans are still looking for care. But let's be honest. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, but that's just scandalous. And I mean, scandalous is probably even the right word. It's just wrong. It is dead wrong to think that these people who have given life and limb to give us safety for us to say, "Eh, you know, get your care eventually. Don't worry about it kind of thing. And if you don't, whatever. That appalls us, doesn't it? Does that make you angry? I think God says, dude, the VA is in church. You guys have all these people who are overburdened and everybody's just kind of hoping that they just sort of get better with God and everything will be cool. And it's just not the way that it works. People need to come alongside and continue to walk with these people until they get to that place where they can be restored. And even sometimes like specific illnesses, life illnesses, those illnesses may never go away, but you need to be there always. Because the church is supposed to be like a hospital. Of course, we're supposed to be an army as well. 
But even in the army, when the wounded are hurt, the army should take care of those who have given of themselves. Right? I say, duh. Why can't the church do the same thing? We should be. And the third thing is, if you are strong, if you are mature, and you are spiritual, get help. Now. Especially if you're carrying burdens. Because you can only carry everybody's burdens for so long before you give out so much and there's nothing there. You too need to get support. Not because you are overburdened or overwhelmed, but in time that can overburden and overwhelm you. And before you get to that place, you need to have a support system as well so that people can come alongside of you and continue to pour in and strengthen you. Because the strong may not always be strong. And you can be by willpower strong, but God doesn't call us to be willpower strong, but spirit-filled strong. Because we don't want to just be strong for people because that really doesn't change hearts. We want to be strong for people in Christ so that we not only change hearts, minds, perspective, the whole nine yards, a complete gospel. That's what Paul is calling us to do, to restore the overburden, whether it be in the case of a sin that they are stuck in or a mental illness that they are stuck in or a physical illness that they are stuck in and will never get out of. God's call for us is to walk alongside of them and help carry their burdens. One of the pictures I thought of was uh, a bull, not a Chicago bull, but a, a, a big bull. And if you think about a bull, a bull can be, and can be a, a very dangerous thing, obviously, and can also be a very good thing. Like if you set a bull loose in a China store, right? You know, that's not a good thing, right? He's just thrashing all over the place. That to me is the aggressive alpha male female who's coming to the church and said, I will solve all the problems and smashing and crashing. I think what Paul is saying is, listen, you who are strong like a bull, put on the yoke, tell people to hop on the wagon and let's go for a ride. That bull cannot do that forever. And this ain't no bull. You got to get another bull in there. And to carry him. I think in our church, there's a mix of those who are strong and mature and those who are overburdened. The overburdened are hiding. Because we are judgmental or they're filled with shame. If we are judgmental, the response is to humbly love others. And if you're hiding because of our own shame and our own weakness or the burdens that are too great to say, I quit, I surrender. I will come to you, ask you to help carry my burden. And when someone asks that of you, do not recoil but respond with love, mercy, and grace as you have been responded to. Because in God's eyes, we are all overwhelmed and overburdened by our sin. And when we come to him, he does not say, you have not jumped through these hoops. You have not cleaned up your life and become acceptable in your behavior to me. He has said, in your weakness, in your overwhelmedness, I extend me. 
calling you to me so that I may carry you. Cast your cares upon him and he will sustain you through the body of Christ. I think it would be a shame after two weeks of this that many people would still leave here without having come to somebody. You don't have to tell everybody, but to somebody and say, I am overwhelmed. I am caught. I am quitting. I would rather die than live. Please help me. And for us not to respond necessarily with answers or to respond with judgment, but to simply respond with love. In my weakness, I will try to cure you in the strength of God. I think in part, that's what the church is supposed to do. I think in part, it's why Paul is commanding them, not suggesting to them, but commanding that they restore in a spirit of humility carrying the burdens of other people. And that I would hope is the type of place harvest would be. So that when that day comes and you are not strong but overburdened, you can have the freedom to say, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Please help me. Because Paul's goal, I think, ultimately, is that, like God's, everyone would be restored. Everyone could become it's whole in the here and now as well as in the later. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we are, as we say every Sunday or maybe even every day or many moments throughout the day, grateful for you who in, in the midst of our weakness came to us even when we were not looking for you, even when we were not wanting to be with you. You pursued us. You brought us into your family. You've changed us. You've given us life, hope, that we might know you fully. Father, I pray for those who are strong here today. There may be some things that we might need to confess. Confessing that we have not been loving. That we have been filled with pride. That we have remained unaware because we have not pursued other people. Father, for the strong, strengthen them. That they may carry more. Father, for those here today that are overburdened, I would ask that you would visit them with an assurance that they can share their burdens with someone who will walk with them through the pain, through the hurt, through the struggle, through the desire to quit, the desire to strike out, the desire to seek revenge the desire to be bitter and angry because they've been disappointed. Father, may those who are burdened find rest in Christ today. People who will walk alongside of them, not just for today, but for tomorrow and the next day and on and on until they've been restored. Father, I pray for this church 
good church that it is by your spirit we will be in quotations better that we might be people and a place where the burdened can come for rest and restoration without being shamed without being judged but simply loved with the love that you have for them in Jesus name Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.